Hey everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to episode number 85 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And we're going to go throw with the opposite hand, at least my opposite hand today, in a herky-jerky motion, and that'll make it fun. <laughs> we welcome San Francisco Giants left-hander and former World Series champion Alex Wood to the program. Happy New Year! And where's your, where's your Georgia Dogs gear? Hey, I'm hoping next Monday they do it, man. I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited. They, they was a huge win against Michigan. Uh, we don't get too many blowouts like that, even when we're good. So I was uh, I was pretty excited. Yeah. So this is actually coming out the night of the championship game, which will be awesome. Will you be uh, having a major party with like all your buddies from <laughs> Athens? Do you watch it by yourself when when a game is that meaningful to you? How do you watch it? Well, this this past week, we had a big party with all, all of our Georgia friends at the house, a little dinner and New Year's Eve party and then watch the game. And so. It went pretty good. I got a couple of buddies that uh, went went full tux uh, as a, as a little with a little humor uh, on New Year's, but now they're going to be wearing it again for the for the game. I think oh. so. <laughs> so it'll be pretty funny. But uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I know my dad's. So my dad went to Georgia. I grew up a Georgia fan, and then my wife and I, my sister, uh, and so my dad's going to be at the game in Indy. Uh, and so I'm considering going, but if not, I'll probably just will stay at the house and, and and watch it here. Now, as a fan. Is this like your number one fandom? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, so I, I grew up going to – I lived a group in Charlotte, North Carolina, three and a half hours from Athens. My dad went there to school. Uh, so I grew up – he grew up taking me to games there. And, I, I mean, I was really fortunate because my dad went to Georgia. My mom went to Chapel Hill. So I grew up Georgia football and Carolina basketball. So I kind of had the best of, best of both worlds. But I, I love Georgia through and through, man. Yeah, it's, it's definitely my number one fandom as, as far as sports go. I, I love it. All right, so it's one of my great regrets. I worked for CNN for three years early yeah. in my career, but I had to work, since I was a young kid, I was 25 when I got there. I had to work every Saturday, so not once did I ever get between <laughs> the hedges. Explain to our viewers what it's like to go to a huge SEC game between the hedges. Oh, man, it's hard to put into words. Uh, Athens itself is just a special place because, I mean, it's literally – uh, no, no disrespect to the surrounding cities, but I mean, it's, it's Athens and that's, that's really all that's going on, you know, uh, really around, around that area. And so it's, it's, its own, this college is this, is the town, you know? And so, uh, downtown, you know, I think per capita, uh, per square foot, I think it has the most bar, uh, bars in the shortest amount of distance as far as their downtown goes. I mean, when I was there, there was probably over 120 bars, you can walk in literally when the game ends, win, win or lose, usually they're winning, hopefully. Uh, you just see like 50,000 people literally walk from the stadium straight into downtown Athens. I mean, it's, it really is. It's incredible. Tailgate. I mean, if it's a mid-afternoon or night game, I mean, it's, it's just there's nothing nothing like it, man. I, we we got to get you there. I, I, I told Jock Peterson for years, I'm like, you, like, you got to go yeah. to Athens and get, catch a game. So he was riding the wave of, the World Series of the Braves this past year, and he he literally Jock texted me at like 5 a.m. the morning after they won, like the night before they won. I, I woke up to a text, and he, he sent me at 5 a.m. and all it said was Athens on Saturday? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was I got so excited, but we were actually uh, we were already going out of town, so I was like, but I'll set you up, dude. I was like, you got to go because it was on his dad's bucket list to to get to an SEC game. Uh, and get get to see Georgia play. So they they went and uh, I can't remember who they. Played. I think they played Missouri that weekend. So it was a, it was a, it was an all right game, but he he loved it. And so and so anytime I can bring anybody or set anybody up, I'm I'm happy to do it. That is awesome. So what year did you graduate? What what year were you out of there? 
My last year at Georgia was 2012. All right. So you, you were there when AJ Green was there. Yeah. So I actually, uh, my freshman year, uh, uh, East Campus Village is where they put up all the athletes your freshman year when you have mm-hmm. to live on campus. And so, but the fo- a lot of the football players will choose to stay in uh, East Campus Village for like their sophomore, junior, or senior, or whatever year. Uh, it, it's an option for them. And so I actually lived uh, a couple doors down from AJ my, my freshman year. So it was, it was pretty cool. So did he like some, some football players, they don't understand baseball. Some guys played it. Some guys love it. Where did he fit in that group? Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if AJ was pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. It's with a bat in his hand. Uh, you know, they used to, uh, a lot of, a lot of the guys favorite thing to do was, uh, go play rec basketball at the rec uh-huh. center and AJ would go and, and play. And, and a lot of people don't know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that a, uh, AJ had a full ride scholarship for basketball to UConn. Uh, on top of on top of uh, the bat, the whole football thing, and so he used to go and and he, and he would tear people up at the rec center uh, and play pickup basketball, and a lot of people would go and watch him. He, I mean, he's just a, he's one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen for sure. Yeah, he ended up making a good choice. Yeah, I mean, pretty I good think, choice. <laughs> yeah, we'll see him in Canton one day. You know, yeah. top five pick. He did I. Right. So yeah. you grew up in in Charlotte. Um, did that make you a Braves fan? Because that's Braves territory. Yeah. So my, so long story short, my dad grew up, uh, like from birth till through high school, uh, in Long Island, New York. Oh, forget it. So he, so my dad was, a, my, my dad was a Mets fan, but obviously, <laughs> I mean, with, with, with Turner's Turner's Turner South or whatever, and, right. and li- living in the South growing up, I mean, you catch the Cubs and the Braves every, I mean, uh, the Cubs and the Braves every day on TV. Yeah. And so, I mean, the Braves, I, I was, I was split between two NL East rivals. I was a Braves fan and a Mets fan. I remember, but the first game my dad ever took to me took me to at Turner Field, uh, I was wearing a Braves T-shirt and a Mets hat <laughs> uh, at, at the at the stadium. I used to have Bobby Bonilla's glove, like his Rawlings glove, growing up. I probably still have it somewhere in my parents' house. But uh, I really loved both. And obviously, when the Mets got had uh, Braves had Tom Glavin, Tom Glavin goes to the Mets. The Mets signed Pedro. Uh, a lot of a lot of these guys that they had had coming in and out. Carlos Beltran when he was a Met. I, it, it's crazy that I played against Carlos and thinking about him back on the Mets way a long time ago. Just, I mean, just crazy. Was that like one of your welcome to the MLB moments? Like when you're facing a guy, you're like, wait a second, I'm facing Carlos Beltran right now. This is the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. My, my first moment like that was, uh, was spring training my first year, uh, with the Braves. We, uh, we went down to the Red Sox and, uh, when, at that time, we were in, or, in Orlando for spring training. So going to the Red Sox spring training was like two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minute drive. So nobody wanted to throw that game. So my first spring training, they gave me a spot start. Uh, I threw like one or two innings against the Red Sox down at their place. And I, my third hitter I faced was Big Poppy. And that was, that, was my fir- that was my first like, oh, shit moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> when that happens, do you have to step off the mound or did you have to play? Like, I'm sorry, I get it. You're a big leaguer. <laughs> or you're on your way to making it to the big leagues, but yeah. it's still that moment where you're like, "Holy shit, that's Big Poppy!" Yeah, no, I mean, it, it it was crazy. I mean, if anything, I just wanted to get him out more. I didn't want him to hit a nuke off me, so I uh, I think I str- I struck him out on a break on a breaking ball. So it was uh, uh it was a nice moment for me for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so I want to take you back. How old are you? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Okay. So you're 30. So you're old enough to remember the 99 NLCS where I think it was 99, where the Mets played the Braves and they ended up 
losing. There was like a walk-off walk to send the Braves to the World Series. I think that if I'm remembering this right, your dad, you y'all must have had a very conflicted household. <laughs> well, the, uh, yeah, yeah, we did. But but he he was he was happy that that I that I liked both teams. I loved baseball like like he did. So he he didn't give me too hard hard of a time. And and he he rooted for he liked the Braves too. Uh, but I mean he was he was Mets through and through and through. I mean he's a he's a New Yorker uh, for for life as even if he's been in the South for you know, since he was 20, 23, 24 years old. But uh, uh, we always rooted for the Mets. It was, it was hard for him not to talk shit to me when <laughs> when the Mets played the Braves and the, and the Mets would win for, for sure. But uh, he, he was always really nice about it. <laughs> so when you get drafted by the Braves, was there a little bit like, oh, man, or was he just – did he take all of his Mets gear and burn it or throw it away and say, okay, here we go, Braves? Oh, it was here we go, Braves, <laughs> for sure, for, for sure. You know, he, he still has a soft place in his heart for the Mets, but it's pretty much whoever I play, whoever I'm playing for now is is who his favorite team is usually. Okay, so um, you mentioned you were Tar Heels fan. Yeah. How how great is it? Once again, that's like I've been very fortunate. I've covered a lot of big events, but I've never gone to like a Duke North Carolina game or anything. Like, have you done that? No, it's on the bucket list. I just haven't. Uh, you know. When I was in, growing up in high school and stuff, and even when I got what is it college at Georgia, you know, that's an expensive ticket <laughs> to, to go to to go to that game. So you either got to break out break out your wallet or know somebody pretty good. So that's on my list. I'll I'll go. So my uh, I was a big Carolina basketball fan. My mom went there, but my my uh, my grandpa actually played basketball there back in the fifties. Really? Uh, yeah. And so his name is Jippy Carter. He's he's passed now, but he he played there. Was 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 a decent player. Uh, and so I, I grew up really loving it because, because of him too, as well. And I got to go to one or two cool events with him, like reunions and stuff uh, in, in Chapel Hill. And so uh, it, it was a cool experience for sure. So wait a second. Your grandpa's name was Jimmy Carter? Jippy. J-I-P-P-Y. Oh, yeah, nickname Jippy. James is, is his real name. Well, still, James Carter. He could have gone Jimmy Carter. <laughs> down there in Georgia, Jimmy Carter would, play, would have played pretty well. It would have, yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right. So it's a new year. 2022 but you know who's that old reliable friend that you can count on that's right it's our friend at dug out mug so if you got somebody that has a birthday coming up or if you just want to get your friend or family member something special dug out mugs is the way to go right they got the nifty engraving and then don't forget about the only metal baseball bat turned into a mug it can keep things hot it can keep things cold so it's uh multi-dimensional right the more you can do the better you're going to be. Uh, my favorite thing is, of course, the knob shot, right? Look at how cute this little thing is. It's got my old Cleveland logo on it. I'm sure they'll send me one with the new Cleveland Guardians logo on it. So you can fire back the shots, order two, three, or four. You get a whole group of friends together. and You go, let's go. Here we go. And when you're done, impress all your friends. There's a little trick that Ploof taught me. Yeah. I mean, holy smokes. If you didn't have enough talent already and you learn how to do this, I mean, who's not going to invite you to the next banger party? Huh? That's simple. So once again, it is dugout mugs. Use the code word John boy. You're going to get 30% off of the site. Go out and enjoy, get your metal, get your heavy duty, get your wind up, get your knob shots galore. They're all there. You'll be the life of the party. And then some. Uh, you know what? You, you mentioned your mom. I want to get to your your big league debut. We see this <laughs> a handful of times every year where mom and dad are in the stands and they are bawling their eyes out. 
And when I saw this, I just watched it for the first time a couple hours (laughs) ago. I loved every minute of this. Could you appreciate what she was going through? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long road to get there, you know, and, you know, a lot of sacrifices by, by my family, by my parents growing up and taking me to practices. And my mom was the one that always, my mom didn't work. My dad did. And she always took me to all my practices, all my games and stuff. And so to get to share that moment with them was, was pretty special. It's, it's crazy. That's, it seems so far ago, so long ago, but also seems just like it was yesterday, but, but yeah, it was, it was nice to be able to share that moment with, with her and, and my rest of my family. We're showing video of her just crying her eyes out and celebrating <laughs> and hugging everyone. And just what a fantastic moment. What was it like after you, um, you preserved that victory and you got to talk to them for the first time as a real big leaguer? Yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I was one of the, the fortunate ones because I got drafted in 12 and then I debuted uh, end of May of 13. And so uh, jo- uh, literally Athens is an, just over an hour from – uh, from Atlanta. So, you know, I had a bunch of friends that were still in school that came up and uh, a bunch of family and, and, pe- and people we know around, around the city that, that got to come and be part of it. And that was the first day I got called up. I, I got to get in. I was one of the lucky ones there too. They, they scored a bunch of runs in like the eighth or ninth and we got up by seven or eight. And so they put me in that ninth inning to finish it. And I damn near ki- B, uh, BMAC, McCann, uh, the lights at Turner were, t- were tough. And I have a, a little bit of a stigmatism in my eye. So at night, I have a little bit harder time seeing so I crossed BMAC up on my debut like twice, twice and almost almost killed him. And he came and sat in my locker after the game. He's like, all right, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> what are we going to do about this? And so uh, that, that was pretty funny after the game. I was really worried about him being pissed at me <laughs> for almost, almost killing him. Uh, but then uh, getting to see my parents and everybody in the tunnel afterwards and, and going, to get, going to get dinner. I had friends that came in, some coaches that came in, uh, going to grab dinner and, and just, just soaking in that moment. Uh, you know, that was probably as present as I've been ever since, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a fight the whole, the whole way. And so once you get into it, you know, it's, it's hard to appreciate, uh, you know, other moments as much as you do your debut, but just, just a cool experience. And I could, couldn't be more thankful to have shared that with, with my whole family. Two things. You should have gone the Rick Vaughn glasses. If you had the stigmatism, I mean, how badass <laughs> would that have been? Right. Could have gone yeah, that I way. Ch- I tried some glasses for a, for a minute, but they got too foggy. I don't know how, I don't know how guys wear glasses. <laughs> Number two, your hair has improved a thousand times since your major <laughs> debut. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit better. I, you know, I rocked a buzz cut from the time I was about eight to the time I was literally 20, 20, 22 years old. And so I saw all these guys starting to get cool haircuts and growing their hair out. So I'm like, all right, maybe I should, that's the adult thing to do, I guess. <laughs> and so I, I grew it out and, uh, moved on from the buzz cut. I've gotten to know Freddie Freeman a little bit from interviewing him over the years. Is he as nice as he seems? <laughs> yeah, uh, most most of the time. Uh, d- it depends on what day what day you catch him on. <laughs> no, no, Freddie, Freddie, Freddie's Freddie's awesome, man. I'll, I'll tell you. So this past year, so I've always started with the Braves. Me, Kimbrel, uh, Jordan Walden, if you remember him. Sure, uh, right hander. Yeah, through cheese, I got jumped jump down the mound. Um, so they got me into like ordering authentic jerseys and like like big guys who are playing and stuff like that, sending them over to sign either current or former players on other teams. And so my for my first year on, I started a pretty big collection like of jerseys and getting guys to sign them. And I actually got them all up in my house now. But this past year, you know, I'd always wanted to get bat, bats from from other guys, like game use bats and get, just ask them to sign them. But you know, like to do that, like I feel like you have to you gotta play a certain amount of time or be a certain certain level to like 
ask a star player, you know, on another team for, for, for a bat, especially if you don't, don't know him. So this past year, I finally felt comfortable enough to where like I, I reached out to a lot of guys that we were playing throughout the year that I respected or was friends with. Uh, Cause I wanted to put a bat display in my house. My wife and I just built a new house. So uh, Fred, Freddie signed a bat for me and he is, it's, it's probably my favorite bat. Uh, of, I mean, I've got like 30 of them that I got this past year and it's probably my favorite bat. And he, he uh, just because of what he wrote on there, he wrote on there, I uh, love playing, competing against you. Um, you're the best dog to ever do it. Love you, Freddie. It was, it was, it was, my, it was one of my favorites that, that he did. So Fred, Fred, Freddie's a great guy. He's been nothing but, but, but good to me. And our wives are pretty, pretty close still. And, and uh, he's a good friend for sure. So when they end up winning that elusive championship for the Braves, obviously you're pissed off because you got, you guys got eliminated <laughs> in that first round. But was there somewhat of a heartwarming feeling considering you started your career there? Obviously, Freddie Freeman is a guy you know. I imagine you have other people behind the scenes that you're still relatively close with. What is it like when you're not on the, in that organization anymore? Did you have any special feelings or was it just like, nah, no big deal? No, for sure. I mean, I mean, I think you get tied more to the people. You know, you know, it's, it wasn't necessarily a brave thing, more like Freddie, Jock Peterson, uh, you know, a co- couple other guys on, on that team that, that I know and Brian Snicker, I've known Snit. He was my third base coach when I mm-hmm. when I came up with the Braves in 2013, um, and just just some of the some of the best guys you could be around in, the, in this game. And uh, but honestly, overall, I just was uh, my wife, we live in Atlanta uh, in the, in the off season, and I was just ecstatic for the city of Atlanta. You know, I mean, the Braves and the Dogs, man, they they just live and breathe it here, um, and so it just was really cool to to see them uh, pull a championship uh, uh, this year for the Braves and and. If if Georgia does it next week, it's gonna, the city might implode. I don't know what's gonna I don't know what what's gonna happen, but it's been been, been a good year for for Atlanta sports for sure. Did you feel like you got shortchanged a little bit because you didn't get that drive through the streets and you left the team after winning a championship? Is there a little bit of that, or were you like, hey, winning a ring was good enough for me? I mean, winning a ring is good enough for me, but yeah, we would have liked to have a parade. I mean. I mean, we, we talked about it for a long time. It was, we, we were fortunate. Not many places you go, you know, keep the same group of core guys for so long. We, I, mean, I mean, we probably had, I mean, at least half our roster played together for five, like four or five plus years. Yeah. Um, and so we, we t- I mean, obviously going to two World Series and, and losing, like the people in L.A., man, they just, they love the Dodgers. Like they're. I mean, it's you're hard pressed to go anywhere and and see a more, a more passionate fan base. I mean, it's a, it's it's just pretty pretty remarkable how much they love the Dodgers everywhere you go there. And so, if they would have thrown a parade, it would have been <laughs> it, it would have been something else. I mean, that whole city. I mean, they would have had to cancel work because you wouldn't have been able to go any anywhere mm-hmm. with the, with the traffic. I mean, it would have been crazy. And so, you know, that that part really 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 stinks that we didn't get to partake in that because you, you put in. I mean, it's so hard to win the World Series and you put in all that work, uh, you know, individually and as a group. And to get to that point, not get to celebrate the way you should have, you know, was was tough. But obviously, you know, childhood dreams coming true, you know, when it went in a ring. So you got to be happy with that. So we're, we're showing pictures for those of you that are joining us audio only. I imagine it was your first trip to L.A. as a giant where you and Jake McGee got your rings. Um, was it weird <laughs> the way it happened? Yeah, I, mean, I still remember walking over. Uh, we were going into the press room or whatever, and uh, seeing seeing Friedman and him looking at me and going, "Nice orange shoes." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's 
you know, it was, it was a, it was a weird deal. For, it was a weird deal this year for me, you know, playing. I mean, I spent the majority of my career. I mean, I spent, I think, golly, how many seasons? 15, 16, 17, 18, five years uh, in, in LA with a lot of the same guys. And then you go to, to their arch nemesis, uh, the, the giants the, the next year. And, uh, you know, having to play them 19 times or however many times we played them with the playoffs, 20, 20 some times. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange deal, man, for, for sure. Because, I mean, pe- people forget that, you know, this is, these are the 750 best players on earth at any given time in Major League Baseball. Like, yeah, those are my friends. But, you know, sometimes when you play your friends, you want to you want to beat them worse than you want to do just somebody you don't you don't know. And so, you know, I got that feeling from 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 some of the guys, you know, at, at some point. But, you know, I. I I have nothing but deep respect for everybody in that clubhouse. You know, I, I love a lot of those guys. I'm still close with, 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 with a good handful of them. And so I just uh, am grateful to get, get to compete against them. And we, we had a lot of awesome, awesome battles this past year. And so uh, now it looks like I got two more years of those battles. So, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Answer this question. The biggest difference between playing for the Dodgers and playing for the Giants is? Whew, that's a tough question, man. Um, the biggest difference, you know, I mean, from a purely baseball perspective, I mean, there's a there's really a, probably a lot more similarities uh, than, than than differences. I mean, God, I don't know how to answer. You put me on the spot. Um, is it the philosophy of the organizations? Is it the way because they're very different cities? I've lived in L.A. for 22 years. Yeah, I love San Francisco, and I've never met people that are more opposite in my life, even though they're only five, a five hour drive apart for, for sure. You know, I, like from a city perspective, yeah, obviously LA is a, LA is a ton bigger. You know, I think the, the coolest thing about San Francisco this past year was uh, getting to really explore and live in the city and see what San Francisco is all about. I had never, all the years I've been going and playing there, you know, you just, you post up at the hotel downtown, you go to the park and that's, that's, that's really it. You might venture out for some food every now and then. Um, but you know, I, Chris, I don't know if I can, if I have anything that's like a bit, a huge, a huge difference, obviously, like Farhan, I was with Farhan uh, huh? in L.A. and he's in San Francisco. Obviously, you know, we're, they're both at the forefront of, of anal- analytics and and pushing the envelope as far as, you know, uh, getting an edge. I mean, th- these days there's no there's no big difference, uh, you know, in terms of teams that are winning the mo- like winning division and making the playoffs. Uh, you know, everybody's looking for incremental gains. You know, it's there's no massive difference, philosophically speaking, at least in my mind between LA and, and San Francisco, uh, you know, it's just, they're put trying to push the game forward to get like small, small edges, you know, every, every day in whatever capacity that may be, whether it's pitching, hitting defense, shifting, what, whatever it may be. And so I, I really have, can't think of like a, a major difference, you know, you know, in the two besides how they construct their, their, their roster and how they spend their money. You know, that's, that's probably the big, the biggest thing. Is it maybe the fact that the Dodgers manager actually looks like he's getting older like the rest of us while the Giants manager looks like he's getting younger. Oh, uh, I, I know Cap's probably going to watch this. He probably loves that you said that too. And I, I love it. It's when Cap told me he was, I think Cap's 48. Yeah. Uh, I think he's 48. I, I knew Cap was in his 40s, but I thought he was like 42. When he told me he was 48 this year, I was like, oh my God. Um, but honestly, you know, I, I've actually told, told people this. Like obviously to look the way Cap does – you have to be as disciplined of a human as you, as you can, as you can be uh, in, in all aspects, aspects of your life. Uh, but I've told people that as disciplined as he is with, you know, working out and his diet and all, all that stuff, you know, he's as disciplined at g- getting better at, at everything, you know, in his life. And it's something I truly re- do res- respect about cap. You know, 
he, I mean, I've never met somebody that really goes in every single day and not even just in baseball, they just truly, <laughs> he's yoked. It's crazy. Uh, but they just truly tries to get better every single day and be better each day that, that he goes along. And, and I really respect that a lot about him. He's in better shape than probably anybody on the team. I'm just going to say it. Oh, it's no question. He wins. Literally, I mean, Millar no told question. me when he played with him back in the day, he said it would piss him off. Well, I would say uh, Kapler would take like uh, a piece of chocolate, right? And he'd put yeah. it in his mouth and he'd swish it around and he'd spit <laughs> it out. <laughs> so we, just so he could get a little taste of it, but wouldn't like get the enzymes or something that would screw up your body. I'm like, that's hey, discipline. 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 That's insane. There's a, I know. There's a major I know. difference. I just have to keep it all away from me. If it's, if it's around me, I'll eat it. If it's not in my vicinity, I'll, I'm good, <laughs> but I could I, not take a, take a bite of it and, uh, and not, not swallow whatever. No I'm way. Eating. No way. <laughs> Hey, the NFL playoffs are here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Just bet $5 and you could have the chance to win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. That's right. Just bet $5 on any NFL playoff game and DraftKings Sportsbook will give new customers an additional $280 in free bets if the team they choose wins their game. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. New York, it is legal now. Let's go. Every... Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily's Fantasy Football Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code JOMBOY, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So you came up with the Braves. I think I want to start with this because pitchers love talking about hitting. We might have a DH, so your hitting career might be done. Uh, you have the strangest first hit I think I've ever seen. That uh, was intentional. Auto, tried for a bumper hit off Arietta. Really? Oh uh, yeah, that was on purpose. But and he drilled me. He drilled me in the back. <laughs> do you think that was intentional? Uh, uh no, it wasn't intentional. I think he was trying to get me. He, I think he was trying to get me out, but I'm just so fast. It, it was, yeah, it was too too late of a throw. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh that was an interesting way. I, Man, I'll tell you what, Chris, I, I was actually just talking with somebody, uh, Dylan Cease, I was talking today when we were training about this. I literally went from, I didn't have a single at bat between 18 years old in, in high school to my big league debut. I didn't have a single AB. What? And so my first, my first uh, like 45 ABs, I was like 0 for 45 with like 32 strikeouts. Like I literally, I literally could not make contact. I will say, I will say that like the first five or six starts I had were against a gauntlet of velocity. I faced, I think I faced Nathan Eovaldi twice throwing a hundred. <laughs> I faced uh, Danny Salazar in 2013. I think he led the league in average velocity that year. I, th- I know I had at least one, maybe two starts against Matt Harvey in 13, which was his best year. Uh, they just killed me. They killed me. Were you? I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at that. No, it's that fine. You can laugh. You can laugh. So were you like a decent hitter in high school? Yeah, I raked in high school. Oh, 
What do you 100%. got? 100%. Yeah, I raked in high school. I was uh, – I think I hit like 430 my senior year with a couple homers. I, I was uh, I was all-state player of the year, DH and pitcher. Oh, you were I'll, DH? I'll so you... I was the D, I was the DH in our in our star, our best starter, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's good. You still have that ball somewhere, or is it just embedded in your back? <laughs> it might still in my back. Now it's probably I actually finally just got to move out of all of our storage units into our house. So I think it's probably sitting somewhere upstairs in, in, in a box somewhere. Okay, all right, cool. You learned about the business side of baseball uh, in the middle of 2015 when you got traded. Did they, yep. did it hurt? Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I think that I've always from the, from the start, you know, I always tried to, you know, learn as much from that, that side of it as, as I could. And uh, but there's some things you just you can only learn as, as you go. And so I still literally remember like it was yesterday. Uh, you know, I was off to a pretty good start to my career. We we're in Baltimore. Uh, you know, I was having a I was having a solid season. But regardless of the season I was having, I I still had like four years of control, uh, you know, uh, as far as service goes. And I remember we're in the dugout. I, I think I started the day before I was in the dugout and Chris Johnson and Shelby Miller came out in the dugout and they came up to me and they go, Hey, I, I it, it sounds like you might get traded. And I'm like, ha ha, like funny, funny joke. Cause I'm like, there's no way like I'm a controllable starter. Like that's that's decent. It's going to get traded. Like, unless it's like a crazy trade. So they're like, no, I'm being dead serious. So I, so I'd go back in the clubhouse, pull up my phone uh, and pull up Twitter and see if there's some rumblings like about me getting traded. So I'm like hard, literally heartbroken uh, that this might be true. So I'm like calling my agent in the middle of the game, like trying to see what's going on, blah, blah. He's like, nothing has happened like at all. Like it's only speculation, blah, blah. So, but at this point, the traction had picked up so much that, you know, only an idiot would think that this wasn't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like obviously we've seen stuff does happen where it's like the trade's done and then it falls through, whatever. So that Freddie Gonzalez calls us into his office, uh, called because it was me uh, and Jim Johnson called into and Luis Avalon called all three of us into the office after the game, and I was like kind of mad, or like and pissed off, and I just wanted to know what was going on. So he sits us down. He's like, he's like, you guys have not been traded. Like, there's there's been no trade that's happened. And I'm like, I was like, Freddie, it's all over. I was like, Skipper, it's all over Twitter. Like, it's got to be some truth to it. And he's and he and I was kind of mad, and he was like, nothing has happened. So then we go back to the hotel that night, go to sleep, nothing happened. Um, I think we, I don't know if we traveled that night. I think we traveled that day to Philly. I think we just bust down to Philly. So I hop on the bus the next day at one o'clock to go to the field at Sisson's Bank and ring, ring, Freddie, Freddie Gonzalez is calling me. And as soon as I saw his name on my phone, I, I knew I'm like, I just got traded. So he's like, Hey, Woody, he's like, I hate to say this, blah, blah. Like you've been traded to the Dodgers. And I was at that point, I, I was knew it was a possibility. I wasn't, as shell-shocked as the day before packed up our stuff and hopped on a flight to LA and the rest was history. And it's actually kind of crazy though. Uh, my agent, I went to breakfast with him a week before that. And at that point I had played at a decent amount of stadiums uh, in my career. And he was like, if there was anywhere else that you'd want to play uh, he's like, do you have anywhere else you'd, you'd like to play? And I told him, I was like, I love pitching in Dodger stadium. And then literally a week later I was trade, uh, I was traded to the Dodgers. It was, it was wild, really wild. So let me get back to that. You said you were pissed off. How in the world does – how did, does Chris Johnson know you're getting traded and nobody from the team approaches you about that possibility? Well, he saw it on Twitter. He saw it on Twitter. Saw, saw speculation from Chris Rose on Twitter. <laughs> Definitely wasn't me. <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah. And so, so literally just, I mean, the same way pretty much everyone finds out these days. I mean, nobody know most people find out they're getting traded or have a chance to be traded or they're in deep talks on Twitter, you know, most of the time, that's honestly how it happens. Unless, unless, uh, you know, like when I got traded to Cincinnati, uh, my last year uh, of control before I was a free agent in in 19, um, you know, just Andrew Friedman and I are really close and, you know, he, uh, there was nothing at all about, about any me being traded or anything. And he, he called me and he called me personally before anything came out and told me, Hey, I'm calling you. You're the only one I've been able to call. Like it's about to break that we've just traded you to uh, you and Kyle farmer and, and uh, a huge trade to the reds or whatever. And he's like, but I wanted you to hear it from me. And, and I, I respect the hell out of that. I re- deeply appreciated that, but it's just, things happen so fast and somehow, you know, <laughs> Somehow people get information before we do. It's, it really is crazy sometimes. What is it like when you get traded midseason to the Dodgers in 2015? Like when you walk into a brand new clubhouse and you're expected to help them get to the promised land where they hadn't been since 88, do guys like immediately come up and they introduce, hey, I'm, I'm Clayton Kershaw. How are you? Yeah, so they stuck me right next to Clayton <laughs> on my locker when I, when I, when I got tra- traded over and we were locker mates pretty much my entire time. Uh, entire time there but yeah everybody, everybody was super cool you know i think that that was starting to get right into the middle i think they'd won two division titles possibly 13 and 14 i believe mm-hmm. they they won the division sure. so that was like right at the start of you know w- what they built built their behemoth into uh, and so i think they were just the excitement was really real around the clubhouse you know uh andrew made a a, a big splash at the, at the deadline and, and, tra- and traded for me jim and Luis avalon and it was nice to not be the only one showing up. It was nice to, sure. you know, show up with with Jim Johnson, who's been around the block for a long time. Uh, and then obviously Luis Avalon, I played my whole career with and, and is a great guy. And so that definitely that definitely helped out. But I mean, they had so, we had such a good group of guys in, in L.A. and there was such a good group of guys that were there. I mean, they, they welcomed everybody with open arms and, uh, and we just put our nose down and, and played hard and went, won that division and made a run at it and d- didn't quite make it to the World Series that year. But w- was it just an awesome first experience for me, for sure. So your locker mates with Kershaw, how long before you brought up the whole, hey, I know you, you grew up with Matthew Stafford. I'm a big Georgia guy. <laughs> I mean, probably I might, I don't remember, but probably, I guarantee within the first like 48 hours of us talking. Uh, and, I, and I love, because uh, Clayton calls uh, Stafford Matthew and I love it. Like only, I, th- I think only Sta- Stafford's close friends like call him Matthew. And so, so I always, lo- I always loved that, that he said Matthew and, uh, it was just, I mean, two freaking superstars at the same high school. I think Kershaw was, I think was Stafford's center. I he was. think. I, yeah, he was I, his I, center. I, got <laughs> ejected from a game. We know the whole story. Blah blah oh, blah. So so good. Yeah. Well, all right. So, what's the one thing you can tell us about Clayton Kershaw? Don't give me the whole. He works harder than everybody. I've heard that. Like, <laughs> I get it. He's super intense on game day. Like, I know all that. But you, you were his locker mate for years give me one good thing about Clayton so you maybe you've heard this before I think the two my the two funniest game day things for for Clayton for me are he's he's cleats on at like 2 30 till game time the day he pitched like he literally puts his cleats cleats on unlaced usually that and no matter where we are we're home or on the road there's always one table in there's in the training room that is completely emphatically off limits no one the entire day for any of his starts can uh get, will touch that table and P- possum uh who's now i think possum's i think he got promoted but uh, was a massage therapist when i was there you've probably seen him 
or met him before, met him before, he makes sure that nobody touches Clayton Sable because Clayton will go in there usually, I don't know, three 34 and he'll lay on there nap or, or, or just chill out, chill out until he has to start warming up and get going. So those are two of my favorite Clay, Clayton tidbits for sure. And nobody fucks around with Kershaw, right? Like on game day, you just, just let him be. No, nah, I, I feel like the further we went along, I mean, he would, he would talk to you, talk to guys a little bit if they would talk to him, but he, he usually will not, will not engage on start day with, with a lot of people at all, at all. Like very, the most minimum amount of engagement typically on start day as, as you could have. How often did you pick his brain being a fellow left? I mean, I know you guys have different mechanics and all sorts of stuff, yeah. but I mean, how can you not, how often would you sit there and just talk ball? Yeah, we, we talk a lot, I and mean, we, we had a lot of guys, you know, over the years, uh, like pitcher, pitching-wise throughout L.A. that, I mean, really were students of the game. Like, like everybody really enjoyed, you know, talking to each other about baseball, about pitching, you know, uh, you know, why are you doing this? How do you grip that? You know, I, and uh, that was, I think, a big part of our culture, and I think that's how guys get, get better. They learn from, learn from each other. And so, you know, I don't know that it was one specific thing, but we, we all were in the dugout. I mean, you see Clayton. I mean, he's he's always in the corner of the dugout uh, by the hitting coaches, or sitting in the top bench in, in between a couple pitchers, whether it's Walker or like Scherzer, Spasher, whoever. And they're always talking, and a lot of time they're we're usually talk, talking ball. You know, uh, whether it's something that spurs a conversation during that game, a specific pitcher. Uh, you know, it just and I, the thing I always appreciated about Clayton is like, you know. Like, yeah, you have to have some type of love for the game. You know, obviously a lot of guys get to a point, you know, where it is, it is your job and, and people, people don't understand that, but I, I've always uh, really, truly admired how much Clayton loves baseball and loves the game of baseball because everybody is not that, not that way. Right. And to have someone that, I mean, is the great, in my opinion, the greatest left-handed pitcher that's ever walked this planet, uh, just truly love baseball that much uh, and love it like I do, you know, was just probably my favorite thing about him and something I really admired. You have played with some phenomenal players. Yeah, I've been lucky to play with a lot of good ones, man. Who's the guy that in 40 years, when you're bouncing your grandkids on your knee, you'd be like, yeah, I played with him. Like, who's going to be the one, if you could just tell one story, is it Kershaw? Is it Freddie Freeman? Is it Mookie Betts? Is it Buster Posey? Is it somebody I'm not mentioning. <laughs> oh, and, man. And this is not a slam on anybody else. It's not like if you pick one. It's just like like we all love ice cream. For sure. But there just could be one where you're like, I am drawn to that. Just if I were a fan, I would pay to oh, go man. see that. Man, I just – it's a tough question to answer because I love them all. They're all so damn good. Um. You know, it, it's hard not it's hard not to say say Kirsch. I mean, I, I still I'll never forget for the rest of my life seeing him eclipse 300 punch punch out mark in 2015, and I only got to see half that season. But I mean, witnessing him, it was just I mean, people don't he doesn't get I, I mean he, he gets a lot of credit, but he doesn't get the credit that he that he sh that he should get for how great he he's been. If you pull up Clayton's Clayton's baseball reference, you won't find another baseball reference that looks like Clayton's for any for anybody. I mean, it's one of the greatest ten year, what twelve year runs. I mean, ever really. Like, I mean, the guy I think's had one year in his career where he had above a three. It was like his rookie or two years of his rookie year, and then like one other year in the past ten years that he's had above a three ERA. 
people do not understand that is impossible. Like it's impossible. Like it's seriously, it's, I mean, you have to be so flipping good to have a sub three for one year, much less every year of your career, except for two. Like it's just, it's, it's bananas. And obviously people, I mean, Clayton's so well-respected. He's such a great guy. Everybody knows Clayton. So, I mean, I'd imagine that 40 years from now, I would have somebody ask me if I played with Clayton Kershaw and I would say, yes, I did. And, and it was, it was, uh, you know, one of the, one of the coolest things about my career for sure. Awesome. True or false. You are still in the Dodgers fantasy football league. No false, false. Yeah. I want it. I want it. And then I went to the giants. Oh, <laughs> it was a mic drop for you. Yeah, it was a, it was a mic job. Not really by ch- a choice, obviously, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so obviously I signed with the giants, uh, got in their league this year, lost in the first round. Um, but, but my last year with the, in the Dodgers league, I, I won it. So that, that, that was pretty cool. We, we, when I was in LA, I mean, LA, San Francisco, I mean, everywhere I've been, Cincinnati, Atlanta, we all always had really, really competitive fantasy football leagues. And honestly, it's probably, uh, besides traveling, it's probably my favorite hobby, uh, in the off season. Uh, is playing fantasy football. I absolutely love and I'm addicted to it. Okay. Who I, I got to hit this a little bit and then, then we're going to wrap up, but um, who knocked you out of the playoffs this year? Oh, who did I lose to in the first round? Oh, that's a good, I can't remember who I lost to. So I didn't lose to Gossman. I didn't lose to our medical. No, I think I lost to our medical staff. Oh, the, uh, the medical staff got you. <laughs> yeah. They won the league. They won the league. Oh man. Okay. Interesting. Yep. So, um, who is the one guy that you've played with wherever, whether it's been at LA, Cincinnati, San Francisco, whatever fantasy league, there's always one player who thinks he could legitimately be an NFL GM. Who is that? Austin Barnes for sure. <laughs> he, well, and you know, if you asked him that he'd probably say me because of how addicted we both are to fantasy football. Um, but yeah, yeah. Barnes, fully fully immersed in fantasy and and would definitely think he could probably be a, a, a football gm for sure <laughs> makes sense makes sense all right uh before we get you out of here we are going to <clears throat> spin the wheel can i save this i do want to ask you this how important yeah. was it for you to sign your your contract before the lockout uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was important for sure. You know, it was, it was something that I was hoping to do before the lockout because you just don't know how, you know, how long the lockout will go, uh, and, and what will happen. And, and obviously like, uh, you know, knowing where you're going to be, you know, the next year, no matter when you sign or lockout or no lockout is the earlier, the earlier, the better, you know, you can kind of just rest easy. You can focus on your training you can start to get your housing and all that set up or, or whatnot. So I, I was really fortunate, uh, you know, to, to get my deal done. Uh, before and and really just excited to be to be back with the Giants. We we had such a good group of guys this past year, and a lot of them are coming back and uh, great great staff. And just I, we, my wife and I really just loved everything about uh, the city and, and and the team. So really fortunate to be going back there. That's good. How much are you paying attention to the lockout? Like, do you call your your player rep constantly, or are you just like whatever? I'll show up when they tell me. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tried to be really involved for, for a long time. You know, I've, I've probably taken a little bit of a step back as far as being in the know because it can get really, really frustrating, you know, to, to, to a degree at, at some time, like at some points. But, you know, I, I, I'm staying up to date. You know, I, you know I, I have guys that I know. You know, I, I, text, I text Scherzer if I, I really want get, to get into some things uh, and hear, hear what's going on. And then obviously, like our, our player reps and uh, other guys that, that I've got relationships around the league just to see their opinions and, and hear, hear what's going on. 
Um, you know, the, the momentum that the league had before the lockout, you know, it was such an exciting, exciting off season. Um, you know, the, I mean, it just, I couldn't remember, you know, a more exciting off season and fans be more engaged and more excited uh, with teams, you know, a lot of teams trying to win, trying to sign guys and, and, and make their, make their squads better. And so just really is a shame as a fan of baseball that we are, we are here. Um, and I think, you know, as, as a normal person, normal human being, you know, it's hard, like, you know, none of the players ever feel like, you know, we're, anybody's asking for anything more than just what, what we deserve or what, what we've, what we've earned, you know, just our fair, fair share. And I think that the, the hardest thing when you have that perspective or, or coming from that side of things is you can't understand uh, the amount of greed to a, to, a, to a degree because like as a reasonable person, you know, you would think that working together, you know, to come to, you know, something that works for everybody, it ends up being better in the, in the long run, you, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, it, it's hard to really understand what's, what's going on to that, to that degree and the amount of greed that's involved, you know, uh, from, from the ownership side, side of, side of things. Because that's what that's what it is that we we could come to an agreement and everybody everybody could be happy at least that's that's my that's my my opinion, um, and it just is unfortunate that that's not the that's not the case. So you know you hope it gets worked out, uh, and you, you hope spring training goes off with that, without a hitch and we can start the season on time. But um, you know I, I feel like to a degree it's almost out out of our hands you know a little bit and so so we'll see what happens. But you know I'm optimistic that spring training will 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 start on time and uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see. You hit on something big, man. Those last two and a half to three weeks before the lockout started was the most enjoyable offseason I've seen. Yeah, it was really a blast, nice. man. The fan engagement, everything, you know, and and that's how you build excitement for the sport. Totally. Like, you know, it just – and so it stinks, it stinks that it ended uh, abruptly. But hopefully – well, there'll be another frenzy when the lockout ends, so. <laughs> sure as hell will be. Quick, so we'll, get those jobs. Yeah. All right, now it's time to spin the wheel of moderately interesting things. Uh bunch of categories very simple i'm not that smart so the questions are not very difficult <laughs> stevie's wondering uh what's your biggest superstition Ooh, i'm kind of a superstitious human Ooh. um so I've come out of my shell a little bit uh, over the past couple of years, but I, like I've always pretty much eat, eaten like start days, eaten the exact same thing on start days. And, uh, you know, I usually try and go to bed like right at the same exact time the night, night before a start. Um, something more basic. I never, I've never intentionally stepped on a foul line in my entire career. You ever. one of those. You're one of those. Never. And it pains me when I, it, when I see people step on it, it really does. It pains me. Like I'm like, cause it's like, you know, it probably doesn't mean or do anything, but at the same time, like, just don't do it. Like you don't know. It's, you don't know if the baseball guys are going to get you. So I never, I've never stepped on the line ever. You're probably too young, but when I was young, we used to have the saying, you step on a crack and you break your mother's back. Like that's why for <laughs> the longest time, and I would try to avoid all the little cracks on the sidewalk. And if I stepped on one, I'd want to run into my house and make sure my mom was okay. So it sounds <laughs> still... like. Go ahead. Yeah. No, that's that. I still, I, I avoid cracks too sometimes. <laughs> wow. Because, are... because, because of that saying, honestly, that was, I remember that in elementary school, but, but I'm more lenient on, on that than I am the foul line. I, I never step on the foul line. <laughs> Is there, there's gotta be a guy on one of your teams that knows that, 
really eats at you and probably steps on it intentionally and wants to stare you down. I've seen cat. I've seen cap step on the line, going to a mound visit swear. And I never said anything to him, but in my heart, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, it just, it hurt. It hurts me. No matter who it is. It just, it hurts me. I don't, but most people aren't superstitious, but I, but I just, that that's one thing that I just, I always notice if somebody steps on the line. Oh, that's great. What's the, uh, what's the same food that you eat every day? Anything interesting? Uh, usually like the night before steak and potatoes, uh, some type of like a bowl, Chipotle or some type of bowl for, for lunch. And then a smoothie, uh, that I'll make myself at like four, right before I go to start warming up, uh, for the, for the game. It's a lot of steak. You start every five days. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that, that's the one the night before is, is not, not as often as it, as it used to be, but start day with the bowl and the smoothie is automatic. Hey, listen, you're still young. Let's cut that meat back and intake a little bit. I want you to pitch a long time, but maybe we just change it up to chicken occasionally. Or yeah, something. Well, well, I'll try it out. Meat. I'll try it. My yeah. first start this year, I'll try it out. I'll let you know. I mean, listen, they've got amazing food in San Francisco, so you should be yes, good to they go. Do. Yes, and our oh. clubhouse. They're a clubhouse. Our chefs kill it in the clubhouse. They, they do an awesome job. Yeah. This was fun, man. I really I appreciate you hanging out as long as you did. We got to yeah, cover right. a ton of topics. This was fun. This was really, really good. No, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And um, stay healthy. Go dogs. Go dogs. We'll yeah, I mean, I've had enough of, you know, Nick Saban not smiling at championship. Time. Like, <laughs> it, is, it is amazing. I saw I saw a stat last week. They were like Nick Saban had eight players drafted in the first round just last year and replaced them all. And they're back in the national championship. So you got to respect uh, it. But I'm ready for the dethroning to happen. So we'll see what happens. Dude, Kirby Smart is going to go nuts. Can you imagine that guy celebrating if they end uh, up I, lo- I literally love Kirby Smart so much. He's Good so much stuff. fun to watch. Seems like the guys love him. All right, listen. Uh, go enjoy the rest of your offseason. Hopefully it's not as long as we <laughs> think it might be. We'll and uh, let's stay in touch. Let's do this at some point during the regular season. Yeah, sounds great, man. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in to the Chris Rose Rotation. Special shout out to our producer extraordinaire, the one and only Robbie Scirocco. I'm Chris Rose. We'll see you next time on the Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.